Thank you for listening to the If You Market podcast, the only podcast that markets the shit out of it. Now, before I get started, I've been accused recently of not marketing the shit out of it, so I want to I wanna cover something here. Uh, this podcast is brought to you by Mountaintop Data. We almost never mention my company, the company that produces the podcast, and Joto PR, Carla Joe Helms, our lovely Hi, co-host. guys. And people have been saying, you know, you guys put together a great podcast. Well, they just said podcast. I had great in there. But you're not really pushing who you are and what your companies are and selling yourselves. In the spirit of marketing the shit out of it, Mountaintop Data provides data for marketing, business-to-business marketing, data pending, data cleaning, all those kind of services, email delivery services. Check it out at mountaintopdata.com. We also have a data search tool online. You can get a free account on that. Come to the site and, uh, and mountaintopdata.com. Request a free top data search account. We'll give you some free credits. You can search our database, download data for your marketing, all that kind of beautiful stuff. Carla Joe Helms, would you like to quickly market the shit out of it about Joto PR? Well, you are so nice. We are an anti-public relations firm. What does that mean? We do things uh, very different from a crisis management point of view for proactive PR for disruptive companies that are changing the status quo of our economy and our society to make it a better place. That's enough of a mystery sandwich. They can look us up at jotopr.com. And in order to not um, step on our, our own theme here, in the future, we'll, we'll add a little more about our companies uh, in the middle or at the end of the podcast. But I just wanted to address that, uh, that accurate criticism of us shying away from, from putting ourselves out there. And uh, we'd like to keep the podcast as much as possible about our guests and the topic, though. So, uh, it really is about our guests. Today, we're talking with uh, Ronnie Swice of Brand Identity. He's what known for acting on set with Will Ferrell, Jamie Foxx, Rebecca Hall, to working with hundreds of brands at some of the leading tech companies. Uh, Ronnie spent the last 10 years obsessed with behavior and how to design brands around it. Uh, during his career at Google, Ronnie discovered the power of branding and how it can make or break a company. It became his personal mission to bring better branding to Arizona. I imagine Ronnie is from Arizona and <laughs> not just a random state selection. And he started Attic Salt in 2014. On a daily basis, the team at Attic Salt works with innovative products and organizations to define and design disrupt- dis- disruptive brands. Woohoo! Another yep. disruptor. That cut through the digital noise of the modern world. Ronnie, we are thrilled to have you on today talking about brand and brand identity. How are you doing? I'm doing terrific. I'm glad to be on. Thank you for the invite. It's exciting to be here. Yeah, sorry about the, uh, the longest the intro we've ever had there, but uh, we, we had to get that monkey off our back and be a little more self, uh, self-promotional here. No worries. You've got to promote yourself, man. Carla Joe, you had a question? I have a question right off the bat. So very good introduction. Ronnie, I want to know, when you figured out by your own empirical observation hmm. uh, in your history that brands make or break an organization, I want to hear that story. When did you have that aha moment? What was the epiphany? Tell our, tell our listeners. Sure. So, so during my time, uh, you know, I think Sky mentioned that I had spent some time at some pretty amazing tech companies doing sales marketing. And, you know, my job was to drive eyeballs to company pages, company websites, uh, you know, their brand. And the aha moment for me was, when we were doing almost identical ad programs, you know, ad spend, 
targeted ads to, to similar demographics, almost identical companies, and having a completely different outcome for both of those organizations. One would work like gangbusters, the other would fail miserably. And the anomaly drove me nuts of, of you know, they're offering the same exact thing. Why are these consumers, you know, why are they making, why is one company making so much money off of these, you know, these ads and one's barely keeping the, the doors open? And, and you, you dig deeper and you talk to these organizations and it's not just their advertising that's failing. And the, the saddest part, you know, about this discovery is that you, you, you know, be me myself being on the ground with these, with these folks, having the conversations with them, digging deeper and realizing that they have an incredible story. They have an incredible journey um, and a reason for, for starting their organization, their restaurant, their business, whatever it may be, but they're just doing a terrible time or, or terrible job communicating that to the people who matter most. And so in, in my mind, um, actually, I shouldn't say in my mind, in reality, that is what branding is. It's, it's communicating the values that make you different, communicating the values that make you uh, unique. And, and actually, uh, you know, now that I understand that uh, swearing is okay on this podcast, I will say they understand that this shit matters. Um, and so this is the stuff that makes people care about you. Um, and want to do business with you. And that is when I was kind of bitten by this bug of, I want to help people communicate this stuff more effectively. That's cool. So it was really an empirical observation based off of stats. I love that. You're saying you got two companies, they're both marketing the shit out of it, but one of them is doing very successful and the other not. And they're very similar companies. Yeah. Very similar they campaigns. Brought up kind right? of a commodity-like product where they don't have big distinguishing factors. It's really the one is invested in branding and the other hasn't, or one has a better brand message than the other. Right. And to put it into marketing terms, it's, it's, you know, brand can increase your conversion substantially. I agree with that. That's happened to me. I definitely agree with that. Interesting. Good. So when you say brand, is that, is that, that one established a brand and the other didn't, or just that their brand, their messaging of their brand is, is better or, or both? That's a great point. And it's, it's actually brings up something that happened to me the other day is I, I got an email from somebody that says, uh, you know, improve your brand. And this, this term of brand has been so loosely thrown around lately uh, that it's, it's almost bothersome to the people that actually do branding. The it's really been commoditized, hasn't it? It is. And it's, you know, it's, it's gotten to the point where, you know, people who don't quite understand what brand is will, will ask, you know, maybe at a networking meeting, oh, you guys put logos on shirts. And it's eh, not, not exactly. We don't exactly. even know. That's branding. Oh, wait, not exactly. Never mind. Not exactly. <laughs> um, so so the, way, the way that we feel is the best uh, definition of, of a brand is the gut feelings that uh, a product, company, or service gives somebody. So the, the gut feelings you have about a product, company, or a service. And so these feelings are so important because 90% of us as consumers, or, or I'm sorry, as consumers, 90% of our decisions are made based on emotion and aesthetics. And right. so we'd like to think we're logical creatures, but a lot of them are made impulsively. They're made based on emotion. They're made based on how we're feeling that day. 
uh, if you've heard the term emotional eater, right, um, or emotional shopper, you know, these things, a lot of times, you know, for example, I'll have a bad day. I'm an emotional eater. I'll have a bad day at work, throw on some sweats, go home and sink my tar- sorrows into a tub of ice cream. I mean, I'm not the only one. I know this. this What's is your quality. favorite ice cream? Uh, peanut butter. Oh, peanut okay. Butter, chocolate, yeah. Peanut butter, chocolate ice cream. Okay. Um, so, so you're an emotional eater. Emotional eater. And you, you, you know, you're having a bad day and you, and you, you go home and you're about to make it worse by eating, consuming all of these calories, especially if you're health conscious or if you wear tight clothing, uh, you're not going to fit in those clothes if you keep doing this behavior. But we can't control it because of our emotions. Logically, we think to ourselves, I mean, how many times have people had a you know, greasy burger or you know, a tub of ice cream and said, I really shouldn't be doing this and regret it after the fact? Our brain, our second tub of ice cream because you had the burger and feel bad now. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, I'm gonna have this greasy burger and chase it with a shake, knowing this is going to this is going to make me fat and I'm going to hate myself tomorrow. But our our brain wants to feel good now. Now, relating this to brands, are you saying that brands can get into a shame spiral? So, so everything is everything is back to you know back to the brand topic. Everything is related to emotions and psychology and you know driving motivations. And so, when we think about feelings, right, uh, and and why that why feelings are related to brand, what we do is is communicate things about a brand that help us accomplish certain things that we want within our lives. Um, we, as a brand, we, we build associations by reputation. So if a brand constantly makes you feel good, that is the representation I have about this brand. If a brand is meant to be, uh, if a brand is meant to be friendly or inviting, there are certain cues that we can design as a branding agency to be approachable, to be friendly, to be welcoming. The color blue, for example, is the friendliest color in the color wheel. It's not just the words you're using in the messaging and who you're saying you are, but yes. you know, it reflects Every all the perception way down to, sounds yeah, like, if you want yeah. to be a friendly brand, you don't choose like black and red as your co- corporate colors, maybe. Correct. Those are my core colors, by the way. <laughs> Carla Joe, not friendly. <laughs> but we are, we are rebels. So we are contrarians and rebels. And right. It's an ass kicker brand. All right. <laughs> Just thought I'd put that in there, Sky. Kind of bust so, you. <laughs> wait, Ronnie, I wanna I wanna take things back a little bit. We're, we've been talking about brand a lot already, but we haven't really talked uh, other other than my rambling intro. We haven't really talked much about you. So I know you've been on uh, on set with, uh, with some of these famous actors. You've worked at Google. How did you get where you're at today? That uh, at Atixalt Branding there. Yeah. Interesting question. Great question. What about you? Sure, sure. Uh, as, a, as a kid, I was, uh, I was always a creative. Uh, I was always drawing. My mom taught me how to draw stick figures at the age of two and just kind of innately creative. Um, I've always also been obsessed with what makes people tick, you know, why people do what they do, uh, be- human behavior in general. Um, and so, Movies were fascinating to me growing up. 
and uh, you know being able to walk a mile in somebody's shoes was just incredibly fascinating and i i loved the idea of being able to do it for a living almost playing pretend uh as i became a better and better actor and, and went through some coaching with some incredible coaches uh i i learned the art of character development of you know this is what we deliver to you in a script this is what's happening in the movie but in order for you as an actor to be able to play these roles, you need to like understand these characters on a molecular level. What, you know, what drives them, what motivates them, uh, you know, define pieces of their life that are not in the script. You know, what's their mother's name? You know, a single family household? Is it a wholesome family? Like, what drives this character to make these decisions? And so that way you answer all those questions so that when the, when the, you know, the camera turns on, you just become this character. Um, at some point in my life, I became very acquainted with Hollywood and what happened, the happenings in Hollywood. Um, you know, we see this now with the scandals on TV of what's going on, but this is something that's always been there. It's always been kind of hiding in a, in an alley. Um, but that's the real Hollywood. And at some point, as much as I loved the craft and, and, and prepared myself for the rest of my life to do this, I just, that wasn't me. That's not the person I was raised to be. That's not, you know, it didn't align with my values. And so I decided that I was going to forego my acting career uh, or moving to Hollywood at least, um, because I didn't want this lifestyle. I wanted to, you know, I want, you know, now I'm married now. I, I wanted to have a family. And so that was more important to me than the debauchery of Hollywood. And so <laughs> they, can, uh, they can only cast you as the Archangel Nimrod so many times before you say, I've had enough. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so, so how that came to branding is I find myself in a, uh, almost a, quarter life crisis, if not less at the time. Um, and I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. I don't know what is going to compel me the same way that the craft of acting uh, has. And so um, I went back to school, studied uh, marketing. And um, at some point I, I ran into consumer behavior. I was like, holy cow, this is character development, but you're, you're trying to understand what makes customers tick and why they make their decisions. And then That's along the cool. way, yeah, it's pretty neat. I mean, yeah. don't see that connection. And at some point, I, uh, I, I, I became familiar with branding and what it was, uh, or brand identity, I should say. And what that is exactly is the identity of a company. It's it's developing a character, but it's specifically for an organization or a product. So we're answering very, very similar questions as I would for a character in a movie role, but we're doing it for the identity of a company and a corporation. So that's how I transitioned to branding. Wow. Can you give us a really cool story of how you did that for a company to like use those skills and then also your branding to really create a persona? For a company, do you have something off the top of your head? Yeah, you this ever jump up on a boardroom table and yell, "What's my motivation?" 
so, so this is so much harder to describe rather than to show you, which is I know, uh, right? Essential to our to our craft. But there was um, one of my favorite projects to date was um, I should say is they're still around. They're doing well. Um, is a company called Pago, P-A-W-G-O. And it is uh, soon to become the Uber of mobile dog grooming. So you will be able to uh, order a dog groomer uh, right from your mobile app, have them come straight to your door. You'll see where they'll come, you know, when they come to you, what their route is, uh, and, and do everything right there from your mobile app. Um, but the interesting thing about them before they were acquired is they were just, just a service. That's all it was. Very little personality. Um, in fact, if you see their, their old vans, they used to be called Galloping Groomer. And all it had was, you know, 1-800, uh, you know, dogs or something. Dogs. Sounds like an equine oh, groomer, though, Galloping Groomer. You bring up I a great point. Um, so, so they had this, they had the service and they weren't really, they were stagnated. They were like stuck in, in the nineties. Uh, they were a 40 year old company and they challenged the new owners challenged us to come up with something that actually had some personality. And one of the things that we do is a, is a deep discovery where we immerse ourselves in the company and, uh, a great point was people were calling them for horse grooming and they spent two out of every 10 calls in the dispatcher assisting people to, to a horse groomer, sending them away to the right, you know, to the right horse groomer. And I was like, well, this is incredibly inefficient. So we changed their name to Pago, but along the way, we, uh, we found out, you know, that every groomer is different. Every groomer has their own personality. And, and, and as dog owners, every single dog has its own personality. It's like a child. And so the exciting thing about the project was how much personality uh, the company lacked to now what it actually has. And so I will leave you guys with this so you can see it. Um, when it's finally out uh, on our website. So if you go to addicsalt.co forward slash Pago, give it about a week and uh, it'll be up on our website so you can see the before and afters. We're actually oh. recording this ahead of time, so that will be live when this, uh, when this airs. That's perfect. So check it out, everyone. So it occurs to me when you're talking about this that you've got this company, they probably have a great product, but they don't, they haven't really invested in building brand probably because they don't see an immediate return on that. They need to work on their product, work on the logistics, work on the sales, right. work on the direct marketing, that kind of stuff. Um, but I feel like the, the brand is kind of the, it kind of helps the marketing stick without a brand. A, a product is kind of, you're at a party and you're, you're forgettable kind of, nobody's going to remember who you are, but if you're wearing that loud shirt or, Whatever it is, there's something that makes you stick in people's minds and then they can come back or they can come to you later when they actually need the service versus you have to hit them right at the time they need it. With your yeah. messaging that's super relevant, you can kind of grab their, um, you know, you, you can own that space if you have a brand and you can't if you don't. Sure. It's like how the brand also makes you feel, right? It's all about how you feel, yep. Yeah. I mean, feeling is emotive equals action. 
So it, right. yeah. That's why that's why I rambled about feelings all about it in the beginning. <laughs> yep, yes. yep. Okay. Excellent. Um so can you tell us before we're God, we're just burning up time here. I have so many things I want to try to get to. Brand is a huge topic, but can you tell us what your day-to-day there at, uh, at, at Exalt is? So when, I, when, we, when we first started the agency and it was just me, I did everything. Um, and now as, you know, as the owner of the agency, we have, you know, we have different responsibilities for, for others. I, 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 was that the question? Like what is my specific responsibility or what do, what do we do at Exalt? No, what are you doing there at Exalt on a day-to-day basis? What's your, you know, what's your average day? What kind of things are you working on? Sure, that, that's what I thought you meant. Okay, so, so basically what I do most of the time is strategizing new brands, uh, working directly with uh, marketing directors or CEOs to help them, uh, to help under, understand their message, but also help them craft their messaging um, across the board and develop the foundations that a brand is built upon. So that's most of what I do. You mentioned new brands there. So you're typically working with startups or new businesses versus established businesses that are trying to rebrand, something like that. Actually, the contrary. We work with a lot of rebrands, first and foremost, Um, organizations that have outgrown their original brand. Or I mentioned with Pago where they were going through a transition um, and in that transition, they realized, realized that they had all these challenges and they needed their brand to fix those. Uh, we do also work with startups to help them uh, after, validate, after market validation to help them launch successfully into the world. Uh, so this is a perfect transition to, uh, we've got a listener question here, um, asking when to rebrand versus work on my existing brand. That's a good question. When should they kind of, you know, come up with a different name? I mean, you were saying that that company, you guys rebranded, you worked on the brand, but you also rebranded it to an extent. So when do you just need to breathe more life into your brand and get more brand recognition versus, you know, tear it all down and go back to selecting colors and logos and names and all that stuff? Yeah. So we, it's, it's, it still sounds like it's a brand refresh versus a brand overhaul. The difference between the two is, there's still something to be salvaged with the refresh of, Hey, we're moving in the right direction. Uh, it's just not as, you know, not as polished as we'd like, or something's missing. Um, let's redevelop, let's develop the language, the messaging a little bit further, or let's realign our, our, our current brand with who it needs to be versus a brand overhaul where it's kind of like a bad relationship. Let's just, let's break up with the old brand and let's just start over. Right. They had a bad name, like the company that you mentioned or, or something like that, where you, where you need to restart versus just, you know, you have a brand, you just need to focus on it, get a little more clear and then maybe brand the shit out of it. So people know who it is. Correct. So some of those telltale signs, um, I'll, I'll just list off a few. So, uh, acquisition merger, great time, uh, great time because you're, you're bringing two companies together, two looks, two feels, two messages, how do we clearly and concisely merge this? Um, that's one. Um, you're not targeting the right audience. Uh, we had a client where they just kept getting the riffraff, even though they were a high-end luxury service. Well, their brand image was targeting the riffraff rather than you know pre-qualifying. Um, same, Interesting. Yeah. Along the same lines, talent. 
Uh, a lot of people forget, you know, most of the times they, they say, oh, I want a brand to target customers, but your audiences are not just external to, you know, who's buying your service. If you're an organization with staff and employees, those are also a target audience. You need to be able to build a brand that attracts the top talent mm-hmm. and as well. Or the uh, right talent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If you're, so if if you're, you're a, yeah, we'll clean up your apartment, throw it all in a dumpster business, and you're attracting MBAs, you might have the wrong branding. Exactly, exactly. Um, bad press. You need to shed a, a, bad, a bad image. That's a great time for an overhaul. Like, let's, let's get rid of this. We don't want people to see it. Let's start fresh. Um, so well, I would say let's have a caveat there and work with the PR firm to make sure that it doesn't look like someone's trying to hide. Exactly. <laughs> Definitely exactly. put that in there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Enron may, may go by a different company name now. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, They've rebranded, I, think- I heard my notes here say to Attic Salt. Enron is now Attic Salt. Is that right, Ronnie, or am I getting that wrong? <laughs> we, we acquired them. <laughs> that. My legal team says, no, don't. Don't do that. That's, uh, that's slander. <laughs> you know, all the infinite funds that we have, we just needed to spend some. I heard they might have been a liability. They might have been a liability. I'm not, not quite okay. sure on that. But uh, anybody who remembers who Enron is, um, I think we have a lot of young listeners on the podcast say, Enron, what's so funny about this? Eh, Google it. Um, <laughs> what a, yeah, what a disaster that was. So I want to take a, a quick break here, Ronnie. Um, we'll get back to more brand, brand identity after. We'll try to pack as much as we can in here. Um, it just Again, there's so much to go over. But I want to thank everybody for listening. This is the If You Market podcast. We're going to take a very short break. I am your host, Sky Cassidy. We've got Carla Joe Helms, our co-host. And Ronnie Swice here from Attic Salt talking about brand identity. Jack Kozakowski here. Check out skillslab.io. You'll learn how to run Facebook ads, learn how to you know, use LinkedIn to actually connect with the right people and get people offline into sales conversations. Everything that you need to know when it comes to sales and marketing is there for you and it's all actionable and 100% free and we'd love to have you part of the community. Check out skillslab.io. Welcome back from the break. This is the If You Market Podcast. I'm your host, Sky Cassidy. We have our co-host, Carla Joe Helms, and Ronnie Swice here with us. Ronnie Swice is the CEO of Brand Identity. <laughs> no, he's not. We're talking about Brand Identity. He's the CEO of Attic Salt Branding. So we're talking about Brand Identity here, Ronnie, and there's so much to go over. I'd like to maybe start out here in the second half with, can you talk a little bit about the difference between branding in b2b marketing versus b2c keep in mind we're a b2b podcast so try to focus on the on the b2b side but what's the big difference there there really isn't much of a difference this interesting uh, it's a great question sky and uh it's interesting that we when we speak to b2b organizations or um you know people who are looking for perhaps brand identity or branding uh for their organization they ask the question of, you know, do you do B2B or do you do B2C? And there really isn't much difference. So at the end of the day, whether you're a product on the shelf or you're a software for, for businesses, people are buying that product. Right. It's not the business that's making the decision. The business isn't a real thing. It's right. I, somebody, I think on our last podcast, it's, uh, I'll try to get this right, but uh, 
B's or P's or, or um, B's or C's or, <laughs> or something right. like that. This was right. the businesses are consumers. They are individual people. So branding is targeted at a person. So it, it works regardless of the product type kind of. Exactly. So when people say, are you B2C, B2B? We say we're neither. We're human to human. Because at the end of the day, like you said, Sky, it's not the business entity uh, or the legal entity that's making the decision. It's the CEO or the marketing manager or you know, the consu- whoever it is that's buying your product. And the way that they make decisions is exactly the same way that the consumer standing in front of a shelf buying, uh, you know, Aveda products is making the decisions. Right. Back to the emotions, I guess. The corporation doesn't have emotions. You're appealing to the individual human's emotions. Exactly. You're compelling their, their feelings to purchase your product or service or organization. Okay. So I would the- say it's uh, B2B is, you know, even more important because things have in the past been very corporate, not been a lot of emotion, not been a lot of personality with an organization. And the consumers, the business consumers are changing that. No longer do corporations dictate what's going to happen. The consumers are driving it, even if they are business consumers. So I think it's even more important for B2B to get on the bandwagon uh, and many things. But- absolutely, 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 Carla Joe. I mean, the thing is, people think that there, you know, when it comes to B2B that we're hiring robots or, you know, everybody's buttoned up. Corporations are changing. The workplace is changing. Yeah. Millennials are, are, you know, controlling the conversation and they want to balance. They want, they want to work for a company that uh, aligns with, with who they are, what their identity is. And, uh, you know, uh, IBM circa 1990 is not something that compels people anymore yeah it's true so i want to know what's your favorite brand and why my favorite brand to date is nike ah and your favorite brand six months ago or is it their recent kind of pr um, that is what makes them my favorite brand is whether it was six months ago, six years ago, or, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, Nike is still the same company that they were when they first started. Uh, you know, and, and if you've, one of my favorite books of all time is Shoe Dog by Phil Knight, the, uh, the founder of Nike. And they're, you know, a lot of great stories that that show what happened six months ago as as something that has been happening throughout Nike's entire existence. That wasn't out of brand character for them, basically. Right. They know who their target audience is. Nike's gotten such a reputation that they've had a, a bunch of outliers that come in and say, you know, I love everything that you stand for, that you believe in, uh, we're going to buy Nike because we want to run faster, lift heavier, be stronger. And the minute that Nike has this fork in the road of, hey, do we be, you know, do we become mass market and and sell out to the to the shareholders or do we stand for what we believe in? Whether it's the right decision or not, it's not my choice to make. They know who their audience is. They know what they believe in. And they said, we don't give a shit about market, you know, market value or, or stock options or or, our shareholder value, we're going to do what we believe in. It's resulted in better market share, higher stock prices, 
because they don't sell out. And that's something that I absolutely love um, about Nike is that they know who they are and they're not selling out. But they're Nike and yet they position themselves as like a rebel brand kind of <laughs> with the, with the whole Kaepernick thing. Like, wait, you're Nike, you're, you rule this space and yet you guys get to uh, position yourselves or you get to be. That I is a brand. Yourself. I mean, yeah. Just because you're the biggest brand. doesn't mean you can't, uh, can't be that brand. Yeah. And they've always been a, a, a maverick of sorts in their, in their field. And I guess the thing there is risk. They took a risk and a lot of big brands don't in that position. They say it's, you know, we're the king of the hill. Let's just play it safe. Why do something risky? And yeah. they said, you know what? No, this is who we are. This is what we want to do. We're going to do it. And hey, by the way, there might also be a massive upside. <laughs> yeah. And, but Could think about this. Outside. So many people got upset by it. But think about the people that actually buy Nike, who their target audience is. They're yeah. more bought in than ever before. In fact, because of that decision, because of that ad, whether I believe in that situation or not, the following day, I was like, I need to go buy a pair of Nikes. It's like the old, um, who's the, the shock jock radio guy who said, uh, you know, people who hate him listen because they, uh, they want to hear what he's going to say next and people love him, listen for the same reason. Um, with Nikes, people are going out and buying Nikes just to burn them. And they're like, great, another sale. Ching. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> buying them to burn them or to, or to put them on a shelf and wear them, you're buying them. So either way, it's great for us. Yeah, we're laughing straight to the bank. Yeah. What about, uh, does anybody have a B2B brand that they really like? I mean, I have a couple that stand out, um, but I want to see what you guys think. MailChimp is probably <laughs> my favorite uh, currently. MailChimp, okay. Yeah. Um, MailChimp shows us that it's okay to have a personality. It's okay to be playful. It's okay to make business fun. We don't have to be suits and ties all the time just because we're doing business. And, and that is what I appreciate about MailChimp. Well, you know, I yeah. agree with that. On the other side of the coin, I think Salesforce has a great brand. They are suits and ties. They're number oriented. You think of them when you think of CRMs, when you think of like sales, Salesforce. Hmm. Um, they have a really strong brand. They're not commoditized. Um, you know, and it is a different emotion and it appeals to a different type of company and decision maker than MailChimp, right? You are a thousand percent correct. They're dealing with ding, 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 ding. I get a prize. I get a prize. <laughs> what I'll, is send, I'll, I'll send one your way. Okay. It's a MailChimp yes. subscription. Okay. <laughs> <They> kind of <laughs> Salesforce is kind of the IBM of, you know, of MarTech these days and whatnot, where they're seen as like, okay, it may be expensive, but you got to go with, with, with Salesforce because everything connects to it. And yeah, you could go with another CRM, but uh, if that doesn't work out, you're going to lose your job for not going with Salesforce. <laughs> it's true. Right. I think, I think the great point here, guys, is that they're both terrific. They're both excellent at what they do. Uh, sure, I like MailChimp because it's got personality, but that doesn't mean Salesforce is not an excellent brand. Um, they have a personality too. It's just a different personality. And they don't try yes. to get outside that. Yes. And that's, yeah. they know who their audience is and they've catered their brand towards their target audience. I think that's, you know, what makes a brand successful isn't, you know, is everybody fun and bubbly and personal, you know, personal, uh, personable is what do you want to accomplish? Who's your audience and how do we cater our brand to meet that audience? Yep. Yeah, I guess I'd say I don't want to put all of my um, data, all my customers information into a CRM 
at a company that's playing beer pong for lunch and stuff like that. Like I think Salesforce has a very professional <laughs> brand and yes. buttoned down because they need to come across as professional, as somebody you can you can trust as a strong company. Right. Um, number, I guess also they, I mean, they dominate their space. Um, they came in and got, there was a lot of CRMs in existence before Salesforce. I remember a CEO in the early 2000s when Salesforce was first coming around saying to me, no, this is, this is ridiculous. Nobody's going to put all their data into, into the cloud. Like that's not secure. You're not going to trust to give some random company online. This is dot-com boom times. Like just some random startup is going to be gone next week and all your data is gone too. And right. who knows what to do with it. Like there was a huge trust issue, but so Salesforce kind of came along and they created a new space with the, you know, the cloud, the CRM and the cloud there. And yes. then they created, maybe there was other companies, but nobody knows them now. And they not only grabbed the market share in that space, but then they also built the brand simultaneously in that space. This, this idea of, you, see, you know, you're working with a new company and they're always interested in grabbing market share in a new space. But then how much should they be focused on grabbing kind of brand share, brand recognition? Because you may have most of the customers, but if, if people don't recognize your brand, they recognize somebody else's, that'll erode away. It seems like you know, making sure that you're simultaneously grabbing brand and having it stick with people would be important. Yeah, you know, coming back to feelings, it, you know, brand is the long game. Uh, you know, if you're playing, if you're, play, if you're a pool player, brand is the long game. Do you expect to be in the market five, 10, 20 years from now? And how do you want to be perceived in the market five, 10, 20 years from now? That is the biggest difference between brand and let's say marketing or advertising. Uh, you know, whereas one is let's get sales in the door as by whatever means possible, let's make as much money as we can and get out or sell or whatever. And so listen, making like uh, fidget spinners a couple years ago, you don't need to build brand. You just right. sell, 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 sell. Right. Or, or if you're a local business owner that just wants to have a pizza shop to, you know, make ends meet for your family, you know, you don't need a global brand. Um, the, the difference is, you know, it comes, it comes back to the feelings that you want to create. Uh, I had this question by a student at, uh, you know, a talk that I had at uh, Arizona State where she asked, you know, I want to go to a culinary college or a culinary university do I go to Le Cordon Bleu or do I go to some local, you know, shop? Is it just marketing? Is it just branding? Or, or you know, is there reason for me to go there? Uh, and if you think about it, that reputation that they have of being the best, of having the best, same back, back, with, back with Nike, their association year after year after years with Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, they've associated themselves with the best. Now they have that reputation. Now people say that, oh, the greats are wearing this. If I put on a Nike sweatshirt, I must be great too, or I probably can do this. And so that's the, you know, that's the difference is think about your brand in the long, in the long game. And what, do you, what feelings do you want people to have about you in five, 10, 15 years? Hmm. So it's kind of awesome by association. Yes. I think that's really smart for startups is to really think long-term, you know, develop their brand into their business plan, develop it, like really think about that, really put that in there. So yeah. Ronnie, Ronnie, can you give us some, some do's and don'ts for brands? People, let's say, um, 
you know, early on in the company, they're starting to build a brand. Um, can you give us some, some, some basic do's and don'ts? Sure. The, the most important there, what we consider brand is, and I think I talked about this a little bit is the foundation. Um, if we relate it back to the human body, it's, it's the heartbeat and you have to define what, who you are, what you believe in, what do you stand for? What's your mission, vision, purpose for existing? First and foremost, I talk to organizations eight years down the line, 10 years down the line that have so many dysfunctions because they've skipped that phase. They've gone into marketing and sales and creating revenue. And now they're having so many problems because they didn't start at the ground level. So I encourage everybody when they're building a brand or thinking about a rebrand, Start at the heart, start at the core of, of your business of why are we here? What do we believe in? What's our purpose for existing? And what do we want to happen as a result of being in business, you know, five, 10, 15 years into the it's, future? It's a good thing to go back to that and revisit it often because, you know, as you get along with the day to day, I've seen this a lot of time with executive structure, they forget. Yes. You know, they forget. It's good to like go back, revisit the purpose, revisit why they're doing it, stay on track. Right. So I guess, Ronnie, one thing I'd like to hit on on that, um, I feel like when people hear that, they always think, oh, okay, what charity is our company about or what higher purpose is our company about? And I know some companies grab onto that and some companies have an actual higher purpose when they start. But, and everybody always says like, oh, nobody starts a business just to make money. What's the, you know, what's the why behind your business? And I'm like, oh, I wouldn't say nobody. I would say maybe 85 to 90% of people start a business to make money. Um, yeah. You know, now they may have some other purpose in like. Their well, they product might want to do better at it. it. They might want to change right. the scope of the industry. But they have a product or service that solves a, a problem. And that's maybe their why is around making something more convenient or bringing X, Y, Z to people or doing a better job of something, it, it's not always, you know, around saving pets or something or something like that. So sure. what kind of whys can companies have other than, you know, we give X amount to this charity because this is our purpose for existence. And I see that with companies that have nothing to do with that charity. It's like you sell a widget, but your company claims it's all about, you know, feeding people in XYZ country. Um, it, it always feels kind of uh, not authentic to me. Sure. I mean, this is a terrific question. I'm, I'm glad you asked it, Sky, and I'm glad you're clarifying. When I say mission, vision, purpose, what do you exist for? Um, sure, you didn't start a business. You could have worked for somebody and had a lot less stress. You didn't start a business to not make money unless you are, you know, just literally trying to be a martyr and, and save people. You need to be able to stay in business. The difference is, is it doesn't always have to be world altering, right? It doesn't, you know, it, you don't have to cure the world of bad politics or, uh, you know, solve the hunger problem. It could just be our mission is to make the best damn grilled cheese sandwich the world has ever had. Heck uh, yeah. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Carla Joe would buy in. I would buy in. I would buy in. We're emotional eaters. <laughs> right. Okay, good, good. I, I hear that all the time. It bothers me whenever people say, you know, everybody, nobody starts a business to make money. Um, and it's, yeah, you want to make a good grilled cheese sandwich, but frequently the reason being is to make money. I mean, you see a business opportunity right. somewhere, you start a business, or you have what you think is a good idea and you start a business. 
um, you know, it's it's rarely, rarely some higher lofty thing. Right. But so many companies, I feel like they shy away from thinking in, with their branding about what their purpose actually is yes. because like it's cheap to say, yes, we want to make a profit and we right. want to by solving this problem. Right. Um, nothing wrong with making a profit people. You can only solve that problem for people. It's true. There's nothing wrong with, well, you have a great purpose, Sky. I mean, mountaintop data is a great purpose. I mean, Oh yeah. We um, save uh, endangered animals. No, wait a second. We, <laughs> well, you're great, but you have the, like, it's not yeah. data. It, it, if it's not clean data, if it's not correct data, it's not data. I mean, you're, purpose is to uh you know really stand up for what data is yes we were doing some rebranding recently and trying to kind of refigure out because our industry's changed so much we've had to shift what our core purpose is and our purpose it isn't like oh we used to be you know hey we're all about being nice but now maybe we should change that no it's we used to solve one problem and the problem people need solve is shifting and, and our purpose in the industry is shifting so we kind of need to change the branding around what it is that we're bringing to the table right um so so that's where my frustration with with that recently and looking at, at this type of branding thing was everything kept coming back around to yeah but who are we going to donate money to or what's our cause going to be i'm like no our purpose right. is in the cause our cause is our customers and solving some problem they have yes yes make the customers your charity i guess exactly yeah it, like it doesn't have to be charity but you have to you have to be in, you have to be in business for a reason it's your value proposition it's what you bring to the table people i mean this is a global economy people have way too many options what is going to make people give a shit about your organization and that's really what your driving force should be like why should people care about me Right. And it's, oh, great. Your organization wants to help feed the homeless in Los Angeles. But what's that going to do for, like, my company's not going to buy your product because of that. You better solve a problem I have other than somebody's getting help somewhere. Right. I, I want to be helped is basically what our customers say. Yeah. <laughs> Can you help me? I don't care who you help on the side in your free time. But right now, I'm only going to buy your product if it helps me and it helps my company. That's, that's, what, that's what people are really looking for. Sure. Yeah. The, why question people always think, oh what's the, the why of your company the why of your company is kind of tied directly to that first stage of the brand you were talking about the purpose the why right and that's uh, it's always bothered me that that always seems to be framed in what's the, what's the lofty goal of your company right like you, i think the lofty goal can be to make a good grilled cheese sandwich right yeah, that's a talk- lofty goal and that's a really yeah that is a lofty goal yeah, there's a lot of companies out there making terrific grilled cheese. So if you want to make the best, what qualifies the best? <laughs> Just put the word world best in front of it and now you got branding. <laughs> so I think, can we get back to the do's and don'ts? Definitely. So, so as we just, you know, went on about do, start with the foundation, start at the core. Don'ts, uh, kind of the opposite of that is, is, don't consider a logo to be the solution for all your problems. There's a, there's a very specific reason why a good logo um, can make a huge difference for your business. It's not going to solve your business problems. Brand is much bigger than that. Right. So, and Nike's logo, the swoosh, didn't mean shit until they actually became something. So right. So now don't, we're all like, what an amazing logo. When they first started, people were like, what's that shit? Right. Don't, don't, think a logo is going to solve your problems. It's not. And so if you're looking, you know, don't, again, along those lines, if you're looking for, if you're having a communication problem in your organization, don't hire 
a, a graphic designer to solve your business problem. You need a strategist, you need a team. Not one person is going to solve your brand communication. What if you make a great logo and you put it on a bunch of pens and t-shirts and hats? Then you have a uh, quote unquote branding company. <laughs> and, yeah, maybe your purpose is to do that for other people. Right? Yeah. Um, don't, uh, don't, another last don't, I will leave this because it happens a lot. If you're having issues, don't hire a marketing agency or firm or a marketing professional to try to drown uh, new message, drown the bad stuff with the new messages. Uh, a lot of times brand is, a, you know, like, as we mentioned, at the core of who you are. So if you're trying to market something other than who you genuinely are, today's consumer is extremely savvy. They will, you know, you might be able to fool them once, but if you're advertising and your marketing does not align with your brand, who you are authentically, everybody talks about authenticity these, these days, but if you're not authentic with your advertising, then you will fail. It might not be immediate, but you will fail eventually. The building will crumble. So make sure that your marketing aligns with your brand. So we had Greg Powell on talking about product marketing. It feels like if you're having issues, don't just try to come up with a new tagline. You got to go back to the product marketing kind of brand connection there and make sure that that foundation is right um, to move forward. Don't just hire a marketing agency and say, we need more leads. You know, you're marketing the shit out in the wrong direction, basically. Absolutely. Okay, so branding versus other types of marketing. You mentioned that if you want to be here in five years, you, need, you really need to put some focus on branding. But marketers and maybe uh, people outside marketing might be looking at branding activities and saying, okay, but where are the leads? Like you want to do this branding stuff, that's great. Where are the leads? Is there a leads in the, in, in the branding picture here? No, it's, it's, it's yes and no. Branding is more about the exact messaging that you want to communicate, the exact audience that you want to target, um, the people that you want to connect with. You know, it's if I'm going to a uh, you know if I'm going to a rock concert, right? I probably wouldn't put on an outfit that looks like I'm going to uh, uh, what's God? What's the uh, what's the band with uh, the all boy band? Backstreet Boys or NSYNC or before them, before them, before, before them. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Way before them. I can name off all the boy bands. Anyway, yeah, I, I, like I was going to an Ariana Grande. That. Yeah, if I was going to ACDC, I wouldn't dress like I'm going to Ariana Grande. Let's put right. it that way. And so, uh, so th that's that's what branding is is compared to marketing. I I genuinely believe both have to coexist. It's not one or the other, uh, both work together in harmony to create a successful business. You need to be able to define who you are, who you want to target, and create a message and identity. And by identity, I mean the way you look, the way you sound, the way you act, in order to target these people effectively. Getting eyeballs back to your, back to your brand, that's that advertising, that's that marketing, that's the world I used to come from. You have to have both. You got to create a brand that resonates with people and you have to drive traffic to that brand where, you know, SEM, PPC, uh, SEO, uh, PR, all of that stuff drives traffic to the brand. But if the brand doesn't convert, then all of that stuff is worthless. Hmm. 
Okay, yeah, so that stuff's going to be your lead generation, but the brand is, is going to be kind of the foundational thing that you have to have in order to have that stuff. Like, like we said, make sure you're going in the right direction with all of it and, and you're actually converting and whatnot. Correct. So if you could say one last thing here, most important thing to focus on with branding. What's the one thing people should focus on? Be authentic. Be authentic. Tell your story and people will come. There are people just like you, uh, what, no matter how crazy it is, focus on your niche. Focus on that small group of people, just as Nike has done. Don't cast a wide net because you're going to be something to a lot of people, or you can choose to be everything to a small group of people. And I guarantee you, 10 out of 10 times, the one that's everything to a small group of people will win. Nice. So you're not trying to save the world with a grilled cheese sandwich. You're trying to make somebody, make people smile with a grilled cheese sandwich, kind of. Perhaps, but even make... More you know, niche than that. I still went general, but... Uh, right. Even grilled cheese sandwich is very, very specific. There's a lot of people who are lactose intolerant. There are people who are allergic to cheese. They're not your audience. You know, but if you... there's cheese lovers. You're right. You're focusing on cheese lovers. There's, a, there's an incredible organization called Impossible Foods that has made a plant-based plant -based burger, and that's all they do is plant-based meat, and it's supposed to taste almost, it's supposed to have the same consistency as a burger, but it's vegan. And, you know, they could say, well, we also cater to, to meat eaters too, but they don't. Right, focus. So, so focus and have a purpose kind of, and then let everything else build from there. Yes. All right. Uh, well, this has been a great episode. I feel like we've just touched on the surface on so many things. I'm going to make sure we have a ton of show notes here to help give some people some a little more structure around brand and all the different brand-related stuff. It's such a, such a vague but such an important topic. Um, Ronnie can be found on LinkedIn. Just uh, look for him by his name, R-I-S-W-E-I-S. -E we'll also have all this on the show notes. And then uh, Attic Salt Branding, you can also find on LinkedIn or at addicksalt.co. So yeah, check the show notes for all the information um, on this. And uh, please share us on social media. Tell your friends. Subscribe to the podcast. We, we love that. And then we're going to be putting out notices before we record uh, on online as well. So if you have any questions on future topics, you'll be able to ask your questions and get them asked here with our, our lovely guests on air. On behalf of the If You Market team, Carla Jo Helms and Ronnie Twice of Attic Salt Branding, thank you for listening to the If You Market podcast, where we believe if you market the shit out of it with branding, they will come. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.